Let us next turn again in God's Holy Word to Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5. This morning we also read from Daniel 5, uh, the first 10 verses, and we recognize that in there um, Belshazzar had this great party and saw um, the handwriting on the wall. And we focused on the handwriting on the wall. And I want to focus more on Daniel this afternoon from the same passage. I'd like to read again Daniel 5, verse 10, through chapter 6, verse 3. Daniel 5, verse 10, and we'll read through chapter 6, verse 3. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. And the queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers, inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas, were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard you that the Spirit of God is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me, that they should read this writing, make known to me its interpretation. But they could not give the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of you, that you can give interpretations and explain enigmas. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation... You shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father a kingdom and majesty, glory and honor. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. Then he was given driven from the sons of men, his heart was made like the beast, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him like with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till he knew that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men, and appoints over it whomever he chooses. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this, and you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you, and 
you and your lords, your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold and bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand owns all your ways. You have not glorified. Then the finger of the hand were sent the fingers of the hand were sent from him, and this writing was written. And this is the inscription that was written. Mini Mini Tekel Eupharsin. This is the interpretation of each word. Mini God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided, given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain, and Darius the Mede, received the kingdom being about 62 years old. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Amen. May God bless the reading of his precious and infallible word. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, this morning we saw Belshazzar, king of Babylon, and the name is not to be confused with Belteshazzar, which was given to Daniel. Because there's a great contrast between both Belshazzar and Belteshazzar, or Daniel. And we recognize that this chapter begins and ends with Belshazzar at an at a, a immoral party that he has held for a, 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 a thousand of his lords and and there he finds this writing on the wall, and the writing on the wall is a sobering message that he is found, that he is weighed in the balance and found wanting, and that he will be judged for his lack of godly leadership in Babylon, but also the Babylon Empire will be judged and it will be given to the Medes and the Persians. And we find this great contrast, and this morning we focused a bit more on Belshazzar in the message to him and to all of us who find ourselves still maybe in the, in the quote-unquote Babylon or to those who may even backslide into such a life of the Babylonians. And so we are called to come out from them. And that's one thing that Daniel shows us and encourages us throughout uh, this, this chapter. We see Daniel, who, whose name meant God is my judge. 
has truly been found in the balances by God as well. And he's been weighed in these balances and he's not been found wanting, but rather he's been found faithful. He did not just begin well in Babylon. He continued well throughout his time in Babylon. He continued with faithfulness. This morning we might have ended up with hopelessness, but really this passage is just as much about the great encouragement that comes from Daniel, and really then by the hand of God and his spirit in Daniel. We know that Daniel here is not a young man any longer. Daniel 1, he was maybe 14 years old. Nebuchadnezzar's reign, another 45 years and and approximately another 25 years at that. So after that is Belshazzar in this event. So Daniel is at least in his 80s. Daniel's no young person anymore. Maybe in chapter 4, he was still in his 50s, mid-50s or so. But, but we don't know what has even really happened in Daniel's life since the time that Nebuchadnezzar had passed away. We do know that there was great chaos in that time and many assassinations and and several kings have come and gone in a very quick way within a year or two of each other. And now Belshazzar has reigned for nearly 20 years. We don't know whether Daniel was involved in this time with the rest of the Chaldeans and leadership of any sort. We don't know what kind of influence he had in those 25 years. It potentially could have even been a frustrating time for Daniel to see the demise, especially after seeing the glory of God converting Nebuchadnezzar. It could have been almost frustrating for Daniel. What we do know, though, is that God had given Daniel a couple visions during this time of Belshazzar's reign. In chapter 7 and 8, we'll look at those in in, in the months to come, but there there we find uh, the visions that, that Daniel receives to encourage him. But now even 10 years have passed since those visions that he had received from God in in chapter 7 and 8. And we don't know, and we can't speculate on what transpired in this time. But what we do know is this. Daniel's godly witness is preserved. And that's the theme that I want to use for this afternoon. Daniel's godly witness is preserved. And we'll see, first of all, then Daniel's faithful witness. Secondly, God's faithful preservation. And thirdly, we'll look at how that should give us great Christian encouragement, even in our day today. Daniel's godly witness preserved. Daniel's faithful witness. This is... uh, A witness that's not just given by Daniel. Daniel doesn't stand up and say, I'm this great witness. As a matter of fact, Daniel is is given a testimony of by the queen. The queen. And so we recognize that Belshazzar has seen this writing on the wall. His hips are loose. His knees are knocking. He's trembling in fear. He's cried out for the wise men. And the wise men are of no help. And, And then... His mother, the queen, very likely, could easy be the, the wife of Nebuchadnezzar, a young wife, or Nebuchadnezzar, the, the, the real king at this time who's not in Babylon. Could have been his wife. We don't know for sure. 
But what we do know is this queen hears all of this commotion. And thoughts come flooding back to her mind and she has to go to the banquet hall and she goes to the banquet hall to talk to the king. And we find there, she comes into the banquet hall in verse 10 and she says, O king, live forever. Don't let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. She, she we have to remember this, this queen. This queen didn't have a right to speak to the king. We know that from other accounts also in history. We, we know of Esther, right? It's, she's a queen. She just couldn't go even as the wife of the king, even just right before the king, but had to ask for favor and, and, and permission. And here also... Um, this, this queen comes to uh, Belshazzar and says, Live forever, O king. And she gets access to the king. And she wants to give him some advice. She wants to give him good advice. And she hopes that this will calm his fears and, and that Daniel will prophesy similarly is what, she, what he had done to Nebuchadnezzar. And so she she has this right to speak now, and she proceeds to advise the king that Daniel should be called in and that he would, that he would be able to give advice to the king. What, what's happening here is the queen had recognized Daniel's life of service in, in the government as a very good witness, a good witness in the time of Nebuchadnezzar, and she remembers it. And, and notice how she portrays Daniel in her testimony about him. She says, first of all, that the spirit of the holy God is in him. Now, it's interesting, later on, Belshazzar doesn't necessarily say the spirit of the holy God is in you, but the spirit of God is in you. But she says, the spirit of the holy God, or you could even translate the holy gods, is in you. This is the spirit of the one who, is, who has been shown to be faithful in his knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And she goes on to say that in verse, verse 11. The spiritual gifts have shown that he, he speaks of light and, and, and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods. Well, what did she mean here by light? This is kind of a new development in, in um, Daniel. We, we don't read of that in we read of the other things in Daniel 1, but we don't read of light. But this, this word light here is talking about he has knowledge. And, and for those who are groping in the dark, when you shine light, you show them the way that they should go. The lights come on. And, and Daniel, she says, is this kind of person with wisdom and knowledge and understanding that as he speaks, the lights will go on and what, what is unclear will then become clear. And secondly, she said that Daniel does have this understanding. He makes sense of what he's seeing. Not only is the light on and he's seeing, but he makes sense of what he's seeing. And, and what might be complicated for your wise men who can't understand it, he can make simple and clear. And so thirdly, she says Daniel has wisdom. Uh, he can give practical counsel as to how and what you must do when, when, when the wise men couldn't give any kind of idea. And ultimately, she says, he has this excellent spirit 
knowledge, understanding, interpreting of dreams, solving riddles, explaining enigmas. All of these things are found in Daniel. You can trust him. He has been faithful. That's a quite a testimony from the queen. And Belshazzar doesn't have that many options right now. And he hears it and receives it. But what do we... We do well to stop here a second and think about our faithful witness. What, what would the world say about us? We're reminded that God had blessed Daniel with knowledge and understanding and wisdom and interpretation of dreams. And he had done so by his word and by his spirit. And if we want to have a good testimony in the world and by others around us, we also need to have that kind of knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. We also need to be lights in this world. Daniel 1, he begins as a young man. Daniel 5, he's, he's, he's continuing as a very old man, but the same truth comes to light. That the Word of God and His Spirit blessing that Word is what gives Him that good testimony that testimony comes from God Himself. And, you know, that's why sometimes as we, as we look around us and we think, how much are people in the Word of God? And we ask ourselves, how much are they praying together? How much are they studying the Word of God together? How much are they reading good, sound, biblical literature and and, and how much time is devoted to this? You know, it's, it's great to, to have our one-page devotionals that we read in the morning and at evening. That's great. They're precious. They're, they're absolutely valuable. But how much are we in the Word seeking to grow in grace and in knowledge and understanding and wisdom from God Himself so that we can be a light to this world? Would we expect to be a light to this world without it? You see, we, this doesn't just happen in a, in a vacuum. This doesn't happen with, the, with doing the least amount as possible. But because the Holy Spirit uses the means of the Word. He uses our disciplines when we discipline ourselves to study His Word and to grow in that grace. He motivates us to a life that is consistent with that Word. And this all builds godly character and, and highlights what's called a Christian identity in our lives. And that's really what this queen is getting at. The queen is trying to make clear that Daniel, his foundational, fundamental identity is found in the living God. Notice, notice this. In, in verse... Um, in, in verse uh, 11, that King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, and so on. And, and, and all of this he found in, in Daniel, this excellent spirit. And he goes on in verse 12, she goes on, this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar, now let Daniel be called. She's saying, Belshazzar, 
I know that your father renamed him Belteshazzar, the keeper of the hidden treasures of Baal. But he would, even though in his office he would answer to the name Belteshazzar, this man kept his identity. This man kept his identity as Daniel because he is the one who is, who is of the covenant children of Israel. And his name means God is my judge. And so we ask ourselves about that identity because our Christian identity is absolutely essential just as Daniel's identity was essential. Our Christian identity is essential. In other words, that Christian identity, that, that light that's on a hill, that salt that, that seasons the food, it can't lose its flavor. Otherwise, it's no good. It's no good for anything. As we share the wisdom of God. Pastor Eric Mordike, when he preached on this, he, he made this comment. He said, do you want to be a lighthouse or a scarecrow? You see, a lighthouse shows the way in the dark and it prevents shipwrecks. But a scarecrow, it scares the birds away from the field. A scarecrow is someone who, who parents when teaching their children and youth to say, don't be like so-and-so. Don't be like Belshazzar. Don't be this party-hungry type of a king. Don't be like that. Don't be found weighed in the balances and found wanting. But be like Daniel who was weighed in the balances and found faithful. That's the importance of our Christian identity. Wherever we go. What's the queen's testimony? What's the world's testimony of you and of myself? But it's not only about the queen's testimony here. Daniel displays that faithfulness even before the king. Notice, notice this challenge that Daniel's faced with here in Daniel chapter 5. Daniel is brought before King Belshazzar. It doesn't seem like he's had really any relationships with him at all before. And even when he first addresses Daniel, it's in an intimidating way. Very intimidating. Verse 13, when Daniel was brought before the king, the king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who is one of the captives of Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? You know, Daniel, you should know your place right now, even before I begin to talk to you. You were and are a slave of mine. You are one of those captives that my father had taken from Judah. You need to know your place. That's intimidation, I would say. Doesn't the world also in intimidate us every day to know our place? to know that maybe others are providing for us and, and you just need to know your place in society as a Christian? Well, Daniel is especially faced with intimidation here. 
notice what the king goes on to say in verse 14. He says, I heard of you. <laughs> that, 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 those words, uh, um, you, you, can almost, you can almost hear them come out of someone's mouth, and usually they're in a sense of intimidation. When, when someone says that, well, I've heard of you, it, it, it may be wondering, what, what did you hear about me? And, and maybe, maybe it was good, maybe it was bad. Uh, what is it? I, I heard of you. I heard that the Spirit of God is in you and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. And I, I'm not sure that they are. It's, it's, this is an intimidation tactic. It seems as if from Belshazzar. And he goes on in that intimidation to intimidate him with temptations of riches and honor and position. Notice in verse 16, as he, as he says, Now if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a, uh, have a chain of gold around your neck, and you shall be third ruler in the kingdom. You know, Daniel, I'm even going to buy the right answer here. You're, you're going to be set in, in purple. You're going to be in a high place. You're going to have all these riches you're going to even be the third ruler in the kingdom. The, he couldn't be the second ruler because that's who Belshazzar was. But you're going to be next in line to me. Well, that's an intimidating, intimidating situation for Daniel. Now he has to be God's messenger. God's messenger to bring a sobering message to the king, and Daniel shows his faithfulness in his answer, let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. Daniel says, no king, I'm not even interested in your gifts. I'm not interested in that all. All I'm interested in is being a faithful servant of God and I will give you his interpretation. This is God's sobering message, not mine. And this sobering message is now coming to a drunk king. Now you imagine dialoguing with a drunk king. And this message comes to him and tells him, Belshazzar, you are not humbled like your father Nebuchadnezzar was. So now you're going to lose everything. You're going to lose your life. You're going to lose the kingdom. This is a sobering message to a drunk. And yet we recognize that God's servants are not slaves of the king. They're slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're slaves of Christ. As, as Paul would say in Romans chapter 1, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated for the gospel of God. God's messengers don't esteem the smiles and frowns of man, but rather the smiles and frowns of the Most High God. And they will speak truth. They will speak truth despite who Belshazzar is. And despite what he might threaten or despite what he might offer. And they will speak that truth and even warn of the judgment that's impending. The writing is on the wall. You are found. You are weighed and found wanting. Isn't that what Jesus teaches us? They will speak those hard words. Matthew 10. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. 
And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. These are God's servants, slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ, messengers who esteem the smiles and frowns of God more than that of men, and who care not for the riches of this world. Because their riches are found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Their riches are laid up in heaven. And that's why Paul can say, I count all things but loss, all things but dung as nothing. Not my honor, not my riches, not my works, nothing. I counted it all as loss that I might lay hold of the Lord Jesus Christ and His riches. Because there I will lay up treasures not on this earth where moth and rust will waste it away, but I lay them up in heaven where Jesus Christ is and where I will be for all eternity. What an encouragement. God's faithful messenger. The queen testifies of it. God's own word testifies of Daniel's faithfulness. But it's not Because Daniel was so strong. Oh, when he was weak, God made him strong. And that's what we see in our second point. God's faithful preservation. God's faithful preservation. In God's faithful preservation, we first of all notice that Daniel endures. Daniel endures. Belshazzar may have may have weighed Daniel's talents during his reign, and and he looked at Daniel's talents and gifts, and he thought, I don't need Daniel's to give me advice. I don't need Daniel's in high places. And and he found something lacking in Daniel. He had no need for Daniel. He had no need for any of his gifts. He had no need for his godly counsel. But now Belshazzar is weighed by God, and he's judged, and he is found wanting. Belshazzar dies. And Darius assumes the throne. And so what we see here is Daniel has come to Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom early on in Nebuchadnezzar's reign. He has endured the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. He has endured the turmoil in the time between Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. He has endured the 15 years of reign of Belshazzar. And now he continues to endure not only one kingdom the kingdom of Babylon, but he endures to the next kingdom, the Persian kingdom. And so Daniel lives on, not only spared to a ripe old age, now even in his 80s, but even in his 80s, he prospers. He prospers. Notice notice how God prospers him in chapter 6, verse 1. It pleases Daniel. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps and over the whole kingdom and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one that the satraps might give account to them and so that the king would suffer no loss. And then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Daniel prospers. As Darius orders his government in the new kingdom, he sees that Daniel has this excellent spirit in him. 
And the king gave thought to even setting him over the whole realm. He had satraps over every area and over every province, and then he had governors over them. And Daniel was esteemed as the highest of the three, distinguished of the three. Daniel prospers. Not only did Belshazzar offer him to be third in the kingdom, here he's technically, you might even say, second in the kingdom. Daniel prospers. And what's Daniel's secret? It's really that excellent spirit. That excellent spirit that gave him the grace already when he was a young man in Babylon to purpose within his heart that he would not defile himself and defile himself with the king's food. Daniel. Daniel. Secret was God's grace and his Holy Spirit. Daniel is faithfully preserved by God himself. Just think about how unheard of this would be. One kingdom goes and another kingdom comes. The king looks around. Who am I going to put over my realm? Who am I going to put in the best places? Would you put someone in the highest places that had served in the Babylonian kingdom in one way or another for 60 plus years? You think, no way. This this man had to be sold into the ideologies of the Babylonian kingdom. I will not have anything to do with him. As a matter of fact, they might even kill him, might even put him in prison or something. They just don't want him to have any influence. But here, Daniel is made high influence. Wouldn't this be unheard of? Daniel has come from from Judah 60-some years later. It still has that identity and that excellent spirit within him, even though he's been pressured by the Babylonian society for 60-some years. God has preserved him. That's the only answer you can give to this. And what encouragement that gives Christians today. That's what we're going to see in way of application in our third point. That's a great encouragement for Christians. The first encouragement I want to set before you is that God will preserve His witness in the darkest of times. In the darkest of times, the brightest lights shine. Daniel, taken into exile, a dark time for Judah, is a bright light and now a beacon of hope for all of Israel in exile. Even as Cyrus would allow them to go back to their land, Daniel could be in places of influence to to orchestrate that and encourage that. He's a bright light in these difficult times. But one of the brightest lights that we know of in, in all of Scripture, and especially in the New Testament as we turn there, is the Lord Jesus Christ, who came in another dark hour under the Roman Empire. And He comes and He shows Himself of who he is. And he doesn't come with pomp and pride and, and fame, but he comes with that excellent spirit, that spirit of humility, a spirit of having no reputation, a spirit of coming in lowliness. And he comes to be a savior of sinners, that he might embrace the, the weary, the heavy laden, and that he might bring them to him. He comes. He is the bright light. And as the bright light, He gives identity and hope to all who put their trust in Him. He gives a Christian identity to them. 
That's the same that's true of Daniel. His identity is not in being a captive in Babylon. His identity is not being a slave of Nebuchadnezzar or, or Belshazzar or being a civil servant for them. But his identity, his identity is in God. And now in exile, he doesn't focus on his identity as being in exile, even as a, a third ruler or a second ruler in the kingdom. His identity is in that he is God's faithful messenger. He is God's pilgrim on this earth. And he's traveling through this world to a heavenly city, a city that, that, that cannot be undermined, a city that's stable, a city whose foundations are in God. That's where he's going. That's his identity. That's his light in this world. That's our hope. That's our light as pilgrims in this world. We're traveling to a city that, that cannot fail, that cannot be done away with. That's a citizenship that can never be lost. It's a citizenship that will endure forever and forever. You see, not only does God preserve a witness in the darkest of times to be the brightest of lights, but he also, secondly, will strengthen and equip his witnesses. He strengthens and equips them with that excellent spirit, the spirit of the holy God, the spirit of the living God, the spirit who the Lord Jesus Christ has poured out upon this world to give a spirit of wisdom, to give a spirit of understanding, to give a spirit of counsel and might, a, a spirit of the knowledge and the fear of God, as the scriptures tell us. And furthermore, as he ascends into heaven, he promises to send forth his spirit and also his servants to equip the saints. Ephesians chapter 4, he gave, he himself gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints and for the ministry so that the body of Christ might be edified till we come to that unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. That's his goal. He strengthens and equips his servants, even from heaven as he sits at the right hand of God. And when they don't know what to say, when they don't know how to conduct themselves in this world, he gives them words to speak. God has chosen the foolishness of preaching. He has chosen the foolishness of evangelism even to bring in his people from around the world. It's, it's God's kingdom way is to speak through man. Even here in Daniel, the king can't find the counselors of this world to be of any value. And so he looks to the man of God and he finds from the man of God the words that are fitting for the dreams or the enigmas that they have. Paul himself recognizes this, this, this way. And he says in Romans 10, he brings that out. How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they're sent? They need to hear that gospel, and that's God's way of bringing that gospel to the ends of the world. It's through human messengers, as we co-labor through the power of the Holy Spirit, and God blesses His work. 
That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6. Working together with Christ, we, we plead with you that you would not receive the grace of God in vain. Today is the day of salvation. Behold, today, hear his voice. The, the, the messengers plead with us. Come out from among them and come to the Lord Jesus Christ for today is the day of salvation. You've heard that witness today. You've heard it. And sometimes as a pastor, I don't know what to speak either. I don't know what I'm going to say on the next visit or I don't know what I'm going to preach on next week or the challenges. And you'll have the same thing when you're talking to neighbors. And yet, God has never shut my mouth even though I deserve it. Even though I don't deserve to have any words come out of my mouth as I stand here and proclaim that gospel to you. But one thing I do know is that God supplies. Think about Daniel here. He's aroused in the middle of the night. He's got to come before the king. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? Will God allow me to receive an interpretation here? I don't know. But he... He knows this. Something of the Lord Jesus Christ has said, even in the New Testament, that when you're brought before kings for my name's sake, don't fear. You don't need to wonder what you're going to say because I will give you the words in that very hour to speak. And that witness, that witness will be blessed by God. Because when we faithfully witness His Word and His Gospel, we know that it does not return to him empty. It accomplishes all that he has in it for his purposes. That's what we read in Isaiah 55, don't we? So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. But it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For, for Belshazzar, he receives this word. It accomplished what God pleased. It was a, a, a word of judgment. It was a savor of death unto death. But today we don't have a savor of death unto death as we find in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 16. We have what is called an aroma of life unto life. Paul says, who's sufficient for bringing these things? That aroma of death unto death or aroma of life unto life. see, Daniel didn't have to go there in fear. He could go there in God's strength, with God's understanding, with God's wisdom, with God's spirit. And that excellent spirit would be faithful. And the most important thing that Daniel could hear is, well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that the most important thing that we might hear? Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Daniel, interpret these words, and I will make you third in command. Well, Darius makes him second in command. Really over all the three governors. But ultimately, no matter what position you're in, in this world, 
we are all called to be servants of the Most High God. Servants of God is, and as, as, as such to, to realize that the most important praise we can ever hear in our life is to hear those words from our Lord, well done, good and faithful servant. May God grant His grace. May He grant His grace to preserve a godly witness even today. Grant His grace to, to preserve that godly witness among us in the darkest of times. As, he, as He's preparing us and using us as lights in this world to be preachers in the darkness, all by His grace, as we look to the One who is the light of the world and reflect His glory to this world, may God bless us richly indeed and encourage us through Daniel's godly witness. And may He preserve that also among us. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we need Your preserving grace. For Lord, we would be nothing and are nothing without Your grace, without Your help, without Your Holy Spirit, without that excellent Spirit that gives knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And, and we pray, O oh Lord, that You would bless us richly with it indeed. And Lord, even as You sit at the right hand of Your Father, we pray that You would grant unto us Your gifts for the equipping of Your saints, for the edification of Your people, and that, Lord, that Your gospel might go forth and that it would be a gospel that goes forth conquering and to conquer, a, a savor of life unto life unto many, and a savor of death unto death for those who do not turn. May we be faithful with Your Word. And may we go through this week being encouraged through your servants of old, but most of all, through your preserving power. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.